Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, a.k.a. Fight Goddess with Skull Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holds Barred. Hi, my name is Melissa Smith from GirlBoxing.org, and I'm listening to No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman. Hello, everyone around the world. Once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. On this edition of the show, we once again spoke with our colleagues Chris Baldwin of The War Room and Melissa Smith of Girl Boxing on The War Room. A video of this discussion has also been posted on the War Sports YouTube page. We spoke with them Sunday, November 7th. This past Saturday, November 6th, Saul Canelo Alvarez cemented his status as the best boxer in the world with an 11th round knockout of previously unbeaten Caleb Plant in Las Vegas. In doing so, he not only unified all the four major belts in the super middleweight division, but finished this year with three straight stoppage victories. He's now won belts in four weight classes, has a record of 57-1-2 with 39 knockouts, and has not lost since 2013 when, as a 23-year-old, he was decisioned by then-top pound-for-pound fighter Floyd Mayweather. We discuss Canelo's fight with Plant, why in boxing this is the Canelo era, what may be next for him, how boxing's absurd and corrupt governance affects all of this, how most in the media have missed the true significance of this fight, and more. One small correction from what I said during our recorded discussion. Canelo was actually ranked fourth and not third on the 2021 list of the Sports Pro 50 Most Marketable Athletes in the World. He finished only behind gymnastics star Simone Biles, tennis star Naomi Osaka, and U.S. soccer star Ashlyn Harris, thus meaning that he is ranked as the top most marketable male athlete in the world. In addition, on Friday, November 6, Michaela Mayer and Maiva Hamadouche had a fantastic battle also in Las Vegas. Mayer won by decision in the process unifying two of the junior lightweight belts. We discussed this fight and what is happening in women's boxing. We discussed these fights and more on this edition of the show. All this is part of our in-depth coverage of the corrupt world of boxing and sports governance in general. But before we get to that, a word from the sponsors of No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com. The home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot and Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double End Bag, the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls Double End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop, advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to 
Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y.com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon for much more No Holds Barred content, that's at Patreon.com, slash Eddie Goldman. Now, you can also support our independent, no-holds-barred journalism by purchasing items such as t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, mugs, pillows, masks, and even miniskirts at the new No-Holds-Barred with Eddie Goldman shop on Red Bubble. It has also been recommended to me that people choose sizes on the large side, as some items may run small. You can browse all the items for sale and then place an order at redbubble.com slash people slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman. No holds barred. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to the War Room. And we are here to talk about the Canelo plant fight last night. Oh, my God. It was a good fight. It was a great weekend for boxing. Um, I'm here with my co-host, Melissa Smith, women's boxing historian, and my boy, my brother, Mr. Eddie Goldman from No Holds Barred News. I want you to uh, tell us what <laughs> and I asked for Eddie's prediction for the Canelo plant fight. And he said Canelo by murder. <laughs> so, Eddie, I want you to, uh, you know, give us your breakdown of the fight. Well, thank you again. Uh, glad to be here. It, it went perhaps a little longer than I expected it to go, but it, the, the trajectory of the fight was as I expected, that in the first couple of rounds, Canelo was going to feel his punches, measure him, uh, get the distance and everything worked out. And that's what happened. By the second half of the fight, it was it was all Canelo because he had figured all that out and he started to break him down systematically and very economically with his punches. He wasn't really landing with his jab that much. A lot of them were, were power shots, uh, shots to the head. He was controlling the whole distance of the fight. And it was it was very um, to me, it was very clear from the beginning of the fight how this was going to unfold. And a lot of it was how his noted trainer, Eddie Reynoso, said that they expected the first couple of rounds to go for plant, maybe two out of the first three, maybe if you're generous, the first three for plant. But pretty much after that, it was, it was all Canelo. And he again showed the power that he has, that he hasn't lost a bit of his power since moving up to 168, a guy, but a guy who really from early on was looking to survive. I have no idea after watching that fight what Caleb Plant's game plan was. What did he expect to do? Just flick out some, some soft jabs and, and run around the ring and win a points decision or something? It, it really made no sense against... Canelo, and whatever it was, he was unable to execute it very effectively. You know, but he hung in there. He kept fighting. So he, and there was also in one of the later rounds, a headbutt. And I wonder if that maybe a tick slowed down. Canelo stopped him from ending it a little bit earlier. But uh, eventually he did. And the, and it's clear in the 11th round, he said, Eddie Reynoso said, okay, now you've broken him down. Go out and go for the kill. And as soon as the bell sounded, you knew that was going to be it. That was going to be the last right. round. And that's what it was. So it was a, a very impressive performance by Canelo. And it's there, there are, we could discuss this also, but there are a lot of implications about what this victory means for his place in boxing history and uh, what do you want to do next yeah what does he where does he go from here you you not you you know unify the 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 division so now what what's the next step what's the most logical 
where would he go? Right. Like to keep that history, uh, you know, he wants to continue making history. So what's the next step if you were him? Get rid of a belt. Give up a belt. Well, yeah. Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. It's not saying yeah, my internet I can hear you connection now. is unstable again. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. You piece of shit spectrum. Uh, okay. It's something that I got to get rid of. Boxing is showbiz, but it's also sport. So there are limits on how far you can go in terms of having an opponent for somebody like Canelo. And my first choice would be the trilogy fight with Golovkin. And Golovkin fights in December against Murata in Japan. That's assuming Golovkin wins and comes out unscathed from that. He's approaching next year. He's going to be 40 years old. A lot of people are going to say, look, who is Golovkin fought? He hasn't really fought that many top-level people since his two fights with Canelo. He's getting older, blah, 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 blah. That's not the way it works legitimately in in this case in a sport like boxing there are historically been a number of fights that had to be made but were made years too late but were necessary for the history of boxing to be made and i'll just list a couple of them rocky marciano versus joe lewis larry holmes versus muhammad ali Mike Tyson versus Larry Holmes, Lennox Lewis versus Mike Tyson, and Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao. Hmm. All those fights were historic. All those fights took place long after the second fighter that I mentioned was, was past his prime. And it was clear to people who followed boxing who was going to win all of those fights. But for history, and for his legacy, this has to happen. Canelo had the two fights with Golovkin in 2017 and 2018. And there was the clenbuterol controversy and all that. The first fight was declared a split draw. And most people watching thought Golovkin deserved to win that fight. But he didn't. The next fight, a year later, was a majority decision. And both of those were in Las Vegas. I thought, you know, that fight really could have gone either way. And I felt that I could see Canelo getting the victory in that fight, winning the fight. He he landed much better power shots than Golovkin, but it was an exceedingly close fight. So that rivalry has never been fully settled. A lot of people felt Golovkin won both fights, so maybe the, the second fight should have been a draw. A lot of people beaten Golovkin. For history's sake, he has to. But after that, if you look at what Canelo has done, all right, he had a relatively easy fight with Rocky Fielding. Then he went on a complete rampage. He beat Danny Jacobs, who was still maybe a little bit past this prime, but he beat Danny Jacobs at middleweight. He moved all the way up to light heavyweight, and he knocked out Sergey Kovalev. Then he settled in at 168, his current weight. And these last four fights are just something to behold. He took on Callum Smith, then undefeated, who had been the winner of the World Boxing Super Series at super middleweight, and he decisively won a unanimous decision. Then, yeah, he had a relatively easy fight against Yildrum. Then he went on to face Billy Joe Saunders, who held one of the other belts, who was undefeated at the time. And he literally destroyed Billy Joe Saunders to the point where we don't even know if Billy Joe Saunders is going to continue fighting again. That's unclear. He might come back, but he, he really hurt him badly in that fight. And then, of course, we had the fight Saturday night with Caleb Plant to unify the fourth major belt. And he got the knockout in the 11th round. Plant had never been 
knocked out and never been down before in his professional career, although he still was not considered the top contender for Canelo in most of the polls at 168. If you look at a lot of the, the rankings, the more independent rankings, they had David Benavidez ahead of plant in those rankings before, before this fight, which is why I felt much too much is being made of, oh, he's the first fighter to uh, become undisputed and super middleweight in the four belt division. I think that it's really that stuff is overrated because chances are within a year, he's not going to have all those belts, not because he loses, but because he's either going to change weight classes or the four alphabet soup bodies are going to demand him <laughs> fight some mandatory. And that's right. what happened to Jermaine Taylor. It hasn't happened to Josh Taylor at 140 yet. And when a uh, Terrence Crawford got all the four belts at 140 and Usyk at cruiserweight, the next fight, they moved up a weight class. So uh, the history. So wait, so when they moved up to the weight class, they give up all the other belts they had. Right, right. right. They relinquished all those those belts in that weight class when uh, Crawford moved from 140 to 147 welterweight and who's okay. from cruiserweight to heavyweight. So it, it, the, that part of the history is overrated. But what's underrated is this run that he's done. And the fact that Canelo Alvarez, they had him put on a crown after the fight. King is good be, to be the king. It's good to be the king. And he literally can be called both inside and outside the ring the king of boxing, because we now have the Canelo era. In fact, it's possible it may have even peaked with the Billy Joe Saunders fight. But, you know, we'll wow. see what, what Canelo does. He's, he's 31. He's not not a young kid anymore. We right. think of him that way when, when he started out. And a lot of the media stuff, particularly the New York Times article, was just obsessed with all this stuff about the belts. When all that is is showbiz, it doesn't. These belts don't necessarily mean a whole lot. What means something is his record, and the two main choices would be uh, Golovkin next year. He wants Golovkin to come up to 168. Probably will be Golovkin's last big chance to get a super payday plant reportedly got $10 million. I don't see how else Golovkin can any get anything near right. that with anybody else. Or what would be a very dangerous fight with David Benavidez, who fights this coming Saturday, what should be a relatively easy fight on Showtime, when I think, I don't know if they've officially announced it, but they'll probably replay the Canelo plant fight uh, before the, the Benavides fight. So it's clear why they put those the put these fights on back to back weekends. The PBC and Showtime want that. But Canelo said he you know legitimately he's take come around January after he rests and the holidays and all that stuff. He'll sit down and they'll figure what to do because he's a free agent. He's his own promoter. They, they, they're saying that he doesn't have a promoter. No, he does. He's his mm -hmm. own promoter. And he's a network free agent. Although I wonder if part of the deal to to fight Plant on the Showtime pay-per-view included a, either a promise contractually or unofficially to fight again on a PBC show on Showtime. We'll see what he actually he does with that. And of course, John Skipper screwed up the whole deal with the zone. Otherwise he would have stayed with the zone and maybe some of these fights wouldn't have happened. So that's the real history. We're in the, we're in the Canelo era. He's the king of boxing and he can pretty much do whatever the hell he wants to do. And he should be recognized as such. And what's more, he's one of the Kings of sports. He may be the king of sports, when there was a study by Sports Pro Media that does a lot of the, the business and marketing and media analysis of sports uh, earlier this year about who are the most marketable athletes of all athletes in the world, Naomi Osaka, the tennis great, was number one. 
Simone Biles, the gymnastics great, was number two. And Canelo was number three. That's of all athletes. So he was the top male athlete. That's over everybody you could name, the, the, the European football players, the basketball players, anybody else that you, you could name in, in their opinion. So this is, this is the peak. And you have to look at it globally. He also could want to do a, a world tour. This is the time of your career when you're really heading into a latter part of your career. You're at your peak that, that you do the world tour. Maybe, you know, maybe you do something like that. We'll see. So he, he, he can, can write his own check. And then he has to decide how long does he want to, does he want to do this? You know, I said he's hey. 31. He has to start to work on an end game. So that that's where he is. To me, this is the the Canelo era that we're all living in. Yeah, he's thirty one, but he you know he's also had a lot of fights. You know, he started yeah. professionally at fifteen, so he's already he's like one of the old school kind of boxers. He's had fifty seven wins, one loss, two draws. So um, it's, it's his age is one thing. He's not that much older than Plant, but Plant had what twenty one wins, something like that, um, or twenty one and zero coming into the fight. So um, he has a lot of mileage, a lot of rounds on him. And so um, even though he's on the younger side and what we would think of in his prime or in his peak from a boxing perspective, if you add up all the rounds he's fought, he's got some other questions he's got to ask himself. And I noticed two things. He started speaking English. Uh She never does. Even like, well, Make sure that it's publicly, right? Yeah, yeah. publicly, he, which he never does. And, you know, he even had his translator make sure that he translated something correctly from what he said in Spanish. Cause he, so that's number one. Number two, he loves to golf. You know, he's sitting there in all his golf pictures. So, um, you know, this notion of him as, uh, as a, as a worldwide celebrity is something kind of interesting in the way that AJ was. Maybe he, t- he picks up the mantle from AJ. You know, hard, hard to say, but um, he, he's certainly in uh, what we'd call the catbird seat. He, he can really do what he wants. I think having his own, promoting himself and, you know, Canelo Promotions was prominent on the broadcast last night, mm-hmm. uh, gives him some leverage and power, gives him an opportunity to really start to step up and be a player at that table down the line a way for him to keep his hand in boxing make some money in boxing and maybe start to step back i i think i agree with you eddie that a legacy closing off the the triple g as a trilogy makes a lot of sense having him come up to 168 is interesting i don't know that that's something that triple g is going to want to do although the giving him money for it and the opportunity to knock those that crown off his head would certainly be uh, an enticement, but I don't know that that really is going to happen, and I don't know that it's in Triple G's interest. I don't to, see. I I don't want to see that do fight. That. I don't want to see the yeah. third fight. I know it makes sense to see that fight promotional wise, but that's not so because I just know. And Canelo's not the same fighter he was. No, he's, he's like not. ten times better now. Then when he well, fought better. Yeah, yeah I, so I don't want to. Yeah, Golovkin is going to get knocked out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, but- I, I found him. I found Canelo to be really compelling last night. He he had implant someone, you know, who was doing the Mayweather shoulder roll, thinking that was going to have some meaning. And so it it meant that Canelo had to play his game a little bit differently, find mm-hmm. his angles. He's much taller. Um, so we had to look for what he wanted to do, how. He, he figured out the way to get him out was to the head, even by putting in all that work in the body. Um, he had to figure out the shoulder roll, roll, how to break him down enough so that the shoulder roll no longer mattered. And when you saw him come out on that 11th round and he left up to give that left hook, he went on his little tiptoes and said, I don't care how tall you are. You're down. You are going down. I am chopping down the tree. And that's exactly what he did. So at this point, I frankly don't think he has anything to prove. I think he's already said it in in his career. And I hope he just has a good time and take all that money to the bank. See, see, of course, I would like to see 
uh, Canelo fight Benavidez. But that's the fight I want to see right there. Yes, yes. I want to but, see that fight. But if you're looking at the, 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 you know, you say that fight makes sense, but does it make dollars and cents? First of all, Benavidez is a very unreliable guy. He's lost. He's undefeated, but he's lost the belt on the scales. He lost the chance because he used drugs. He, we don't. You don't know what's going to happen. And he's a young guy. He's something like 24 years old. So I, I'd like to see that fight. But I think that the more marketable fight, the big name fight, would be with Golovkin. And that's and that's the way that boxing is. And this is not an outrageous thing to ask for this fight to happen. It's not like. You know, he's fought his guys like Yildrum and, you know, maybe he'll pick one of these these completely overmatched mandatories or something. We know that's the way boxing works, but I don't I don't think that's like that. I think that fight would sell a lot and maybe give Benavidez a chance to to build up his name and to show that, you know, he's not a, a foolish juvenile anymore. Right. And then, of course, to fight Benavidez. You have to agree you're going to do it with Al Heyman and PBC and Showtime again. So does he want to does he want to work with them again? That's that's one of the factors in this thing. And also, if he's going to have, say, he fought four times in the last 12 months. So if he's not going to fight again until May of next year and then maybe again in September, like he usually likes to. Maybe he could fight both of those guys. You don't think he's going to fight for in May for. Um... No, he will. I'm just saying he's going to six months off right. instead of fighting every couple of months like he's done. Right. Right. Since the fight with Callum Smith. So but if he fights twice next year, it could be once against Golovkin. And I, right. I agree. Yeah, I think he'll defeat Golovkin. And another time against Benavides. But if Benavides is on and it's head is screwed on right is a very very difficult fight because he blows hot and cold when he's hot he has a tremendous amount of power he also has the the size and reach that that Caleb Plant had but really couldn't use because Caleb Plant didn't have the boxing IQ and didn't have enough power to deal with Canelo Benavidez could have that and again he's a young up-and-coming fighter so he may not want to have that, but maybe too much risk. But we'll we'll see what happens with that. He could fight both of them next year. Those would be. Think he'll time. retire at sixty and you know, I mean, sixty and one and two. I don't know. That's he what. might want to keep fighting. I mean, you know, on I would retire at sixty. Tele, on his Televisa broadcast, they have. The great Julio Cesar Chavez, how many wins did he have? He's on their broadcast too. So he might we just want to keep racking up uh racking up the wins. Right. Well, it was a it was a really uh I enjoyed that fight very much. Uh but I also enjoyed watching the oh, uh, uh can I, I just want to add one one thing before we get to that, which uh -huh. is very important. This fight was so with Canelo was so important. He's getting so much publicity that you're now getting wrestlers from the UFC saying they want to get in on the money. What? Which is <laughs> yes, because it's kind of understandable because they they paid shit in the UFC compared to to what you paid in boxing, and you know Only Canelo rightly he's just he's just laughing. He's just laughing at that. You know, it's utterly absurd. And the media is lapping it up, not explaining the difference between boxing and the, the stand-up fighting in MMA. They, right. they don't do that because they want to spread this illusion that that's an equal level of stand-up fighting. And in order, they, they want to keep doing that because they get advertising dollars from the UFC. And in the case of ESPN, they sell their UFC pay-per-views and show their shows and other MMA stuff. So you don't really have an unbiased 
media on this. If it's MMA, you know, Canelo has no background in, in wrestling or submissions, or even as far as I know, uh, kickboxing like that. So if he went into MMA, it would look like what's happening with Clarissa Shields. Well, but I don't want to see he's that. Not even, he's not right. He's not doing that. It's the MMA fighters that want to get a bigger payday than they can from the uh, disgusting uh, parasites and white supremacists that run the UFC. All right. That's crazy. Well, best of luck to them. Uh, All right. So we're moving on to the women's fight scene this week. And that was the the fight that I watched was Michaela Mayer versus, I don't know how to pronounce her first name, Maiva Hamaduch. OMG. Did you see the fight? Did you watch the fight, Melissa? Or did you catch oh the highlight? Oh, my God. I, I, I saw the fight. I was riveted. That a, Where to even begin? Michaela Mayer, you know, she's an Olympian. She's a, she's a really, really talented amateur fighter. She became an Olympian. And then um, out of that, she famously, you know, went, became pro. Um, and since then actually she signed with top rank it was the first woman they'd signed really since back in the days of mia saint john and lucia Riker um were fighting for top rank uh, which parenthetically they don't even mention on espn when they're doing these shows their their history of the sport is like zero so one pet peeve number one <laughs> don't know shit about women in the sport right. anyway um so uh, and um you know, Michaela Mayer is chasing undisputed. Now, you know, Eddie has talked, has a, a good line on the, in terms of the undisputed era and the four belts and yada, yada, yada. On the women's side of the equation, I would have to argue that it's actually become really important. And it's given an opportunity for the sports fans who come across women's, bo- women's boxing who may not necessarily already be super fans to see women's boxing at its best. Last week, we were treated to Chantel Cameron um, winning her road to undisputed in her bout against Mary McGee at super, um, super lightweight. This week, we had junior lightweight between Michaela Mayer, who has uh, her belt, the WBO belt, and Maeva Hamadouche, who's a French fighter who had the IBF uh, belt. And she's a beast. She is a beast. She's a come forward boxing animal. She just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. Michaela Mayer, who is much more of a boxer, is tall, has a beautiful jab, but also has a lot of other tools in her toolbox. She has beautiful body work. She's able, she's fluent with hooks. She's fluent with uppercuts and she's fluent with movement around the ring. Her lateral movement is excellent. Her ability to box at levels is excellent. So she came into that fight knowing who she was dealing with in Hamadusha, someone who was just going to come forward like a bull in a China shop and just keep coming and coming and coming and coming and coming and use, try to use volume as a way of overcoming a boxer. Mayer, you know, arguably lost probably the first couple of rounds, feeling her out and trying to meet at her as a fighter. But once Mayer got into her real true boxer stance, using levels, using her jab, using shots to the body, rushing in to take away the inside game from Hamadouche, she really started to break her down. And by the 10th, the, the end of the 10th round, solidly won that fight. Now, <clears throat> this was, you know, women's fights professionally these days are two-minute rounds. Um, the championship battles are 10, 10 rounds. So you had two times 10. And I have to tell you, there was not one second of those 20 minutes of fighting when those women were not at each other right. hard. It was Constant. nonstop. Boom, boom, boom. There were over a 1,100 shots fired collectively in 10 rounds in 20 minutes. There are not men's fights that do that in right. 12 rounds at 36 minutes. 
So they never stopped. Um, and Michaela proved that she really is deserving of her belt and was deserving of being a unification um, winner and um, is worthy of being on this road to undisputed. Now, the other champions are, are Choi and uh, Korean fighter and Terry Harper, who is with um, Matrim, both are with Matrim. And there's a real commitment by Eddie Hearn to make this happen. And in fact, uh, Hamadouche was an Eddie Hearn fighter and he was there uh, with her in Vegas. So that was really nice to see. Now, a word about the scoring. The scoring was appalling. The judges absolutely failed. They had three scores, 98-92, which maybe you could argue for if you were really being generous to Mayer. You had 99-91 and 190 as a shutout. That was fucking ridiculous. Wait, so that so that means Hamadouche didn't win any rounds or there just a was couple one, rounds? One judge who gave her zero rounds. What? There was one judge who gave we her didn't watch one the same round fight, obviously. And one judge who gave her two. Now I had her 97-93. I thought you could argue for 96-94. Yeah. To be fair, 97-93 was where I settled, but I could easily have lived with 96-94. Clearly, Michaela Mayer won. But something has to happen to these goddamn judges. And on that same card, there was a fight where they gave those, the judges gave the fight to the wrong name fighter. So, I mean, enough already with Vegas and their damn judges. What the hell are they seeing? I don't know. So, you know what they're seeing? They're seeing money in their bank account. I guess because, and you know, we, I'll get to this part in a little blurb in a second, but Eddie Hearn, um, you know, was asked, Hey, uh, you know, are you even ever going to bring a British fighter over here? You know, are you going to, if, if we continue this unification, would you allow, you know, Terry Harper or someone like that to come over here to fight? And he, he said, look, judging is a worldwide, it's a pandemic everywhere. So, I mean, he was an owning to the fact that judging in Britain can be just as ridiculous. Um, but something has to be done um, because that was just. Now how do you get rid of the judges? Painful. Can't we do like, uh, can't we do artificial intelligence now? Like, <laughs> you, well, know, you know, I don't know. Something like, has to the be commission? done. The commissions have to have some kind of third party auditing and saying, hey, right. we noticed the following. What the hell was this bullshit? Right. And and start to do their jobs, which is not being done, clearly. Yeah, but it leads them down that rabbit the, hole. They're yeah. doing their job. They're doing what the promoters want, regardless of what happens in the ring. Uh, it's I'm, not set up that they're supposed to be fair judging and fair officiating. That's why there's no independent central governing body for professional boxing. That's why they're a... a, 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 a a patchwork quilt of state and tribal and provincial commissions and that's just in north america and then there were a million and one sanctioning bodies and Absolutely. and every rules that everything is different all over the place and that that's why they have that there's no there's no secret why they're doing that and the promoters oppose that and there isn't enough support that the public is knowledgeable enough about it and among political figures you really political figures that care enough about boxing especially in the, the u.s and the political climate that they're going to get together and do something about that. no I, I i agree with you I, I i get that but it's still something that we have to clamor for and, and then on top of that you know last night on showtime for the canela plant card every two seconds it was like Hey, here's the betting line. On, right. on, on, they were like literally in the middle of the day. Going, oh, here's the change in the betting line now. What the fuck? Right. Are we here for gambling? Is that what this is all about? Gambling money and enticing people who have been up for hours watching this fight and sort of enticing them saying, hey, if you vote, if you bet five dollars, you're going to win a hundred on your first time you bet with us, whoever you pick. So if you pick Canelo and you bet five dollars, you get a hundred. Well, guess what? They have your credit card information. They have right, everything that's else crazy. about you. 
And now every time they're going to get those emails all the time, all those blasts. I mean, it's absolutely unconscionable to have that as part of it. Look, we already know, we've already covered it on this show, all the corruption in Rio in 2016 with reps and judges, right? That's a global organization and they blew it up with corruption. Right. So you think that doesn't happen now? Please. And that's just shameful. It is. Shame on Showtime, but I'm sure they allowed that crap to happen. Money. You know, they, right. they're it's one all of about the sponsorships. sponsorships. Right. And not, not only that, but, you know, they have their own guys having to give the line. Really? Listen, back in my bad girl days, I had a boyfriend, bookie boyfriend. I was 17 years old. <laughs> so I knew what the line was. He would do, the, you know, all about point shaving and everything else in basketball and college football. All right. This was 1971. I was a bad girl. I was 17. Very bad. But please, that was illegal. You go to bars during the week, exchange your money and everything else. But this is legal horse thievery. It's terrible. It is. It is. I wish I knew you back then. But... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I tell this story. I was. I had to go to there was a bar called Pembles. It was like beyond connected. And there I am, hippie girl, right? I literally had hair down to here, you know, my fry boots, my landlubber jeans, whatever, with my, my Jewish bookie boyfriend. And it's sort of like, okay, honey, go, go dance while I'm here <laughs> speaking to John. So I'm on the dance floor doing my hippie moves and this big burly Italian, well, well, Big burly bar, you know, bouncer comes over to me. How'd you get in here? Blah, 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 blah. He's ready to like manhandle me out. And I said, Well, I'm with those people over there. He's like, What are you talking about? I said, like, You know, over there. So he looks over there and there's the table. And he's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> champagne. Yeah. Oh, but it, but he's got connections. Yeah. But you should add that in those, in those days, though. The drinking age in New York was only 18. Right? Yeah, but I so was 12, that, but yes. <laughs> and I, you know, and I was not in the uniform. Right. <laughs> I mean, Goodfellas, it really existed. Anyway, so that's what I associate sports gambling with. So when uh -huh. I see this, the line shifting round by round, and they're sitting there trying to get people to put their hard-earned money in there. After they while they're sit, drinking, most people while are drinking, they're drinking that time, right? and eating. They got a room full of people. Hey, yeah, let's let's do that. How much crazy. money did DraftKings make last night? That's what right. I want to know. That's crazy. Paying Showtime to be on there, and who, what is Showtime? It's owned by Viacom CBS. So you got the largest media companies in the world part of this whole gambling operation. Yeah, money, so. money, money. Cash rules everything need, around me. You don't even need MTK, right? You got flash it in front of you on one of the largest media corporations in the world. Exactly. Please. All right. You guys want to cover anything else? Um, you got anything else, Eddie? <laughs> what? Eddie's speechless? Oh, what the yeah, hell? No, I'll just I'll just point out I did an article on my Patreon about how. November is for wrestling. It's sort of a mini memoir and college wrestling has started again in the U.S. If you want to find a way to follow that, it can be some exciting things. People will be watching Olympic gold medalist Gable Stevenson in his final college season before he jumps from real wrestling to fake wrestling. And uh, there's, there's a lot going on with that. There are a lot of changes going on in wrestling. There's a greater push for women's wrestling as wrestling more and more declines or it stagnates in the U.S. The University of Iowa finally is adding a varsity wrestling team, but they only did so after a Title IX lawsuit when they cut a bunch of programs, the pandemic. So that could give a boost to that. And, uh, we'll, you know, we'll, there's a lot of moves for that and more women and girls are getting involved in wrestling. So I think that's something which is, is pretty important. And it's pretty much the only combat sport in the main, with some exceptions, that you can have a, a regular uh, supported team 
in the schools and colleges in the United States. So see where that goes. Awesome. Anything else going on in the women's boxing uh, arena, Melissa? Well, yeah, you know, we've got a lot more unification bouts and, and, and solid uh, big fights coming up. Um, we've got one next weekend with uh, um, the British, I'm sorry, the Danish fighter, Dina Thursland fighting Zelina Molina from Mexico, who, by the way, pet PVSPN does not do their homework, claiming the only women's boxer who has 30 KOs right now is Amanda Serrano. Wrong. Zelina Munez does too. So there wow. you go. Um, anyway, they have a big fight next week. And then we have um, Callie Reese coming up uh, fighting Jessica Kamara on the 19th. So looking for really big things in women's boxing over the next weeks. Right on, yeah, right on. They're, they're streaming all this stuff too. And you know, ESPN is sort of in the process of slowly moving from cable to all streaming over the next several years, but they have a much, even now they have a much smaller audience for fights like the, the mayor fight, which is so exciting. I don't know if everyone expected that fight to be as exciting as it was when mayor really had to dig down deep and fight, not just mm -hmm. stand on the outside and use a height and jab and box. So I'd like to see more of those fights on ESPN, but they have to have, as Melissa said, they have to have somebody, who knows something about women's boxing commenting on this. They make so many just basic gaffes, not mentioning Layla Ali, leaving out all these things. It's just so utterly ridiculous. You're not going to get your real sports information, particularly on women's boxing. I think boxing in general from ESPN, you're going to get it from shows like this. Exactly. That's something we should really emphasize. Yeah, absolutely right. And I, I have to give a shout out to Andre Ward, who said, listen, how could you not love women's boxing having seen this fight and seen mm -hmm. Mayor fighting Hamadouche? And he said, it's just completely unfair what happens. Giving people, <laughs> giving women a rap because they fight two minute rounds. Did you just see what I saw? They never stopped. It is what right. it is. Deal with it and start to give these women the respect and the money they deserve it. He's the only one that's come out and said that. He's also put it out on social media like that. So thank you, Andre Ward, for your support. Right on. All right. Well, look, folks, that's all we have for you guys today. You know, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Eddie, tell the people where you can find you. I know we uh, we know you're in uh, uh, New York. Uh, what subscribe street? to my <laughs> no. Subscribe to. Uh... Patreon, my Patreon page to, to keep this work going. You're going to get analysis and information like we talk about and that you're not going to hear from all this, this clown media that's out there and all this bought and paid for media. And mm -hmm. that's at patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. And I am on Twitter. That's I mean, I'm on a lot of different sites, but mainly on Twitter at NHB news. And my site is eddiegoldman.com so check all of those out and comment on them and uh, raise your level of intelligence about boxing and combat sports don't fall for this pre-packaged sure. crap that is basically public relations for promoters and networks and now gambling operations it's heartbreaking actually melissa tell everybody hey, where they can yeah, find you uh, Absolutely. Thanks. Uh, I'm girlboxing now on Twitter and Instagram and my website is girlboxing.org. I really, uh, I, I put out a lot of content where possible and, and I'm trying to put pieces out as much as I can. And, um, really just thank you for the support. We're, we're here for you and, and really wanting to elevate the conversation about sports justice and equity in, in the sports. That's right. And if you guys want to more in-depth coverage in on boxing and the corruption in boxing and sports governance in general, then you guys stay tuned right here. Please subscribe to our channel. Check out our warsports.com. That's W-A-A-R-S-P-O-R-T-S. And you guys can find me on Instagram at La Fight Goddess, L-A Fight Goddess. And we'll see you next time. We're out. Peace. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, 
the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double End Bag the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skull's double-end bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skull's Fight Shop, advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, Please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon for much more No Holds Barred content that's at patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. Now, you can also support our independent No Holds Barred journalism by purchasing items such as t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, mugs, pillows, masks, and even miniskirts at the new no Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman shop on Red Bubble. It has also been recommended to me that people choose sizes on the large side, as some items may run small. You can browse all the items for sale and then place an order at redbubble.com slash people slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks for listening. If you want to follow my site, my blog, the easiest way is go to eddiegoldman.com. For No Holds Barred, this has been Eddie Goldman.